0: Hi everybody, welcome to a bonus episode, another Real Estate Sessions Rewind episode. As we take a little break for the Thanksgiving week, I'm really excited to bring back Neil Oates Jr., Mr. World Renowned Real Estate. Uh, It was back in May of 2020 that I had Neil on the show and uh, full of passion, full of energy. I'm very excited to replay this for those that may have missed it. So enjoy this bonus episode. Once again, Neil Oates Jr. See you next week.
1: But the great thing about great people is they all, if, they, if they're really great and if they love and care about you, they want what's best for you, even if it's not best, what's best for the company or for them. And so that was one of the things that I was blessed to have.
0: You're listening to The Real Estate Sessions. I'm your host, Bill Risser. Listen in as I interview leaders in our industry, getting their stories and their journeys to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 236 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. I'm staying in my new home state of Florida, and we're going south. We're going to Miami, Florida, and I get to talk to Neil Oates. Neil Oates is the broker owner of world-renowned real estate. We're going to talk about that name. This is one of the most positive, upbeat, energetic, authentic Guys, I've met in the business. You know, I've had the opportunity since being here in Florida, uh, meeting him at the Florida State Convention, some of the bar camps around Florida. Uh, we really can't wait to share his story. So Let's get started. Neil, welcome to the podcast.
1: I am absolutely honored to be here. Thank you, sir.
0: It's going to be fun chatting with you. We've had some conversations before, uh, whether it was at an Ari Bar Camp or a Florida State Convention or something. And uh, so I'm I'm really excited to chat with you. I know you live and work in South Florida, right? Miami area. Absolutely. Okay, and. So, I have to ask this question first to get started because I got this. I know you're a sports guy. I'm a sports guy. Dolphins fan?
1: Now, you, you uh, sound like you're pushing me towards that, <laughs> that answer to yes, but I, I see that we're, we're doing the heavy lifting early, Bill. Uh, uh, we are. Unfortunately and fortunately, I am not a Dolphins fan. I am a diehard Baltimore Raven.
0: Wow, so where did that? I know you didn't grow up in Baltimore, So no. let's talk first of all, tell me how do how does how do you get to be a, a ravens fan
1: so for um, the main reason, and you, you know the first one was I love the color purple, right?
0: okay, so yeah, you do so yeah.
1: that that was the first thing, uh, but so in ninety six when they announced when art announces that he's going to go from the Browns to the Ravens, I'm super excited, you know, then you know because it was something new for. Just as football fans in general. Um, but then I really got plugged in when I started seeing what their mindset and what their model for excellence was going to be. It was going to be hard nose, defense, pain, and it wasn't going to be flash. And so they were going to make hard work sexy. And yeah. and so for me, uh, I mean, and, and it's still the same to this day.
0: Yeah. I mean, like they won a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer. I know you get tired of hearing that. <laughs> But that, that's a lot of hard work by a whole team. There ain't one guy carrying the team, right?
1: And, and me being a sports guy my entire life, when I yeah. see you – because know, we have X number of football teams or basketball teams, but they don't embody what a team is, yeah. right? And so when I see a true team uh, – and, and I mean, I go back and I look at a handful of teams like – that I hate them, but I respect them, the Patriots. That's a team. When you start looking at, you know, what you put together and, and what the results come from, uh, people at every position uh, working together. So that's why I love them. And that's also part of the reason why I can't love the Dolphins, right? Uh, and, and being down here, you know, and this being my database and my marketplace, that's hard uh, but but I get to rib them at least once every two years when the Ravens come down here, and and that's interesting.
0: <laughs> so let's we're we will we'll we'll wrap up the sports talk here shortly. We're we're recording this right after the draft, so I'm sure you were watching like all of us because there wasn't a whole lot more to watch. Um, Tua Tua to the Dolphins. You like that mm-hmm. or not? What do you think?
1: I I like it for the city, right? Because it's it's exciting right i like it yeah. because it's going to any time that there's something new and different and exciting i think that people need that so yeah. i mean i think for them it's exciting for the true sports fans we know that a quarterback is really only as good as his offensive line yeah. right and and yeah. so did they put in place what they need to protect him otherwise i mean because we've had some really good quarterbacks come here that weren't successful in the system and then go somewhere else where there was that team dynamic there and they thrived so i mean it's exciting i know people are are thrilled you know now everyone's singing the the super bowl song again (laughs) which i think might be a little premature all of my dolphins friends clients and and fans they're, they're sitting here they're like hey neil did you see this oh ravens are gonna get it and all i say is okay (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, that's look. I'm in Tampa Bay, right? I'm in St. Pete. Oh, come on. We, we got we got Brady and Gronk. Come you should, you should, you should hear the conversations around here. But hey, we'll, we'll just pump the brakes. Let's just let's just kind of get to a place where we can actually play the games and then, you know, we'll see what happens. That's uh, that's the beauty about sports. So, so I know you grew up in a little town in Alabama. Tell me tell me about first of all where that's located and uh and give me like your like a favorite childhood memory, because i like to ask people, like, what's it like to grow up where where they grew up?
1: All right, so I grew up in a very small place called Florala, Alabama. So it's F L O R A L A, and the way that the states used to be abbreviated, like F L O R was for Florida, and A L A was Alabama. Uh, and just to let you know how small the, the city was, we had eleven hundred and seventy people in the hometown. Right. Wow. So when I left, it's 1169 now. And I don't believe that the population has grown much. But, but one of the best things for, you know, when you grow up in a small town like that, you know, everyone good or bad. So there's not much that you can do that doesn't make it home before you. Uh, and, and so it was a true a community ra- rears and raises the kid. Right. Uh, yeah. But I, I think that my fondest memory was that at the age of five or six, I started working with my dad who owned a plumbing and electrical company. Uh, so when I would get home from school about 3.15, I wasn't focused on homework, nothing. I was jumping on an old Dodge Ram truck with the column uh, shift. Uh-huh. And we were going out and doing one or two jobs. I might pick up you know, three or four books. I, my dad would let me write the bill and hand it to the people. They give me a a buck or two. And then we would always finish the day with a bag of Funyun chips and a knee-high peach soda. So for me, that is as good as life got. Five or six years old, $2 in my pocket. And my dad would pay for the Funyuns and the
0: knee-high I know what to have next time I see you at an event. This is going to be great. And I might not be able to find the knee-high soda, but I can find the Funyuns.
1: Absolutely. So that that's that awesome. is my love poison that. right now. Those Funyuns are the death of me still.
0: Yeah, that's great. I love that. So you might talked about sports. You grew up playing sports. You played uh, football in high school, and mm-hmm. that turned out to be something that you continued on into college, which is not easy to do, right? Right. Uh, let's talk about that. So you you uh, ended up playing at Troy a trojan a true trojan not those sc trojans that make yeah, it up those I mean, you're guys. At, exactly you're actually at a troy talk about that process talk about being able to 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 make that leap from high school to college what was that like for you
1: well the the first thing was that it was intentional right um and, right. and it, it was a, it was a plan from my parents and myself you know i didn't the, the crazy thing is i did not start playing football until my freshman year in high school Right. Because up until then, my, my parents were education first, education first. So we didn't go through the little league and the peewee. Uh, it was ninth grade. Let's go out. You know, things went well. Um, but just the education part and me scoring really well on the ACTs and the SATs. Um, and then seeing a, a, an opportunity for me to say, I think there's more than just the, the school. Also, athletics played a part. Now, I don't think that I was the best athlete hands down by far. Uh, I did get full scholarship to Troy, but in every one of my recruiting visits and my conversations with the coaches, character. Right. Because, I mean, you know, we're talking 2000. I consider myself. I was the guy on the team who brought the team GPA up. (laughs) <laughs> right and, and, and you yeah. always need those guys and that were uh, people of character and had integrity um, but it was intentional so once in ninth grade once we figured out what we were going to do when i say we i always had a team around me my mom my dad my older brother went to college to play basketball right and, and so we had a blueprint of what we wanted to do and then it was just about okay do the small things day in day out 10th grade 11th grade 12th grade forgoing some of the fun activities, right? To get in the weight room and hit the books and go play baseball, you know, to work on my quickness and basketball. Um so so those were the things where uh, it wasn't fun, but coming out of college and not having any school debt, like for me that was a win.
0: Oh, huge. Yeah, huge. In fact, I look I look at what you do now in your business today, obviously, all those all this stuff that you do was built and created. It sounds like by you and your parents, all through you know school up into high school, and this is what set you on this path to success. Is that a pretty fair read?
1: Oh, that is more than fair. That that's spot on.
0: Yeah, that's that's really cool. I love that. So I love those kinds of stories. So, what was your what was your uh, area of study at Troy? And I, I ask this question a lot for people that you know go to university. I'm like, was real estate even like a blip on the radar at the time?
1: Okay. So I don't, right. Even now, I don't know how anyone goes right into real estate, right? right. Because for, to, to be straight, it was a business. So I was a management admin uh, major. Um, and so with the intention just on that deal with me focusing on school, I was fortunate enough to graduate and get my undergrad degree in two and a half years. Right. So even playing football, this goes back into, well, what are you going to do? Right. Are you here to be an athlete or are you here to be a student? And my family and I, we said, hey, let's get the degree. We got the degree in two and a half years. The coach just said, well, Neil, what are you going to do now? I said, well, I'm going home. Right. I have my business management degree. I have my undergrad degree. I'm going to go work, do something in business. Right. Because I always knew I wanted to be in some type of business leadership role. And so in my thought process, it was, all right, I've got my degree. You guys can keep your school money. I don't have any debt. Give it to someone else. But I did stay around a little bit longer uh, and work on my master's while they paid for it. Right. Nice. So, so you know, so, so we, we, we played that really well. But to answer your question, man, real estate was nowhere um, on, on my radar. And, and so I graduated in 2003 and real estate didn't even come into the picture. And that was by accident in 2007.
0: Okay, so what? What take us through that four years? Kind of what are you doing there, and and then tell me what's that thing? I love to find out how people how the how the real estate kind of buggy bit you. How did it happen?
1: All right, so I I did everything, and like just coming out of college, uh, I was excited, so I was you know trying to dabble in create my own business and I didn't even know what I was doing I was working at an ice cream shop trying to say well I'm going to take the franchise of the tasty freeze ice cream shop back in florella right okay. uh, from there I worked at Rena Center you know, doing the 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 short-term rentals of furniture and electronics and then from there I went to Terminx pest control uh, and I was really really good at Terminx right so Uh, And at this point, I had moved to Tallahassee, and I was working at Terminex in Tallahassee. Fantastic, doing outside sales, pest control, termite control, got transferred here to South Florida. Now, a mistake that I made, me coming from Alabama to Tallahassee to uh, Miami, I spoke two languages, Bill. The first one was English, and the second one was Alabamaese. (laughs) <laughs> okay. And Alabama knees is not recognized in South Florida. So when I came down here, I was working for Terminex doing, you know, WDO inspections, wood destroying organism inspections. Uh, and I was going under, you know, houses. And so this is about, you know, 2006, 2007. So things were good. And one of the agents, Roman Pavlik, uh, who to this day is still one of my mentors, I had done a couple of his WDO inspections. And he came to me one day and he says, you're too sharp to be crawling under these houses and going into attics and doing these inspections. Would you consider selling real estate? And I said, no, I've never thought about it. I don't know anything about real estate. He says, well, why don't you come in in two days? Uh, for an interview, just let me show you what real estate is and the opportunities that it that it, it could give you. So I went in and during my lunch break, and Bill, um, you know there are moments in life that you're not proud of. This is one of the few moments in my life that I'm not proud of because when I went into interview with Roman and his partner Brad Arnwitz at the time. I never went back to Terminex. So I went, I did not turn in my clipboard. I didn't turn in my measuring wheel. I did not turn in the little magnets for my vehicle. I just called them and said, hey guys, I'm not coming back. And and so that's when I got started. And from there, you know, things grew. It it took a lot of time, but things grew from there.
0: You know, doing some research for this episode, it feels to me like you had this, like a classic mailroom to the boardroom, kind of a story, like you've done everything in real estate. Is that a pretty fair assessment?
1: Well, yeah, it, it's fair. It, it sounds glorious, you know, going from the mailroom to the the boardroom. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know which one was better.
0: Right? <laughs> Let's talk about that.
1: All right. So, I mean, I started with the IRT group with Brad and Roman, and I came in as an unlicensed assistant, right? Just not knowing anything, but I was hungry. Um, I, I believe that what I saw from day one when Brad and Roman brought me in were the possibilities, right? This is someone who came from mom and dad, went to Troy, you know, graduated early. And I was always looking for possibilities, right? Well, what can I do or, or what opportunities are going to be there for me to grow? And so I came in knowing nothing and they showed me the ropes. Now they're showing me the ropes in 2007 when things were fantastic, right? I mean, because in 2007, they worked, doing a, I say they, because they were the principals, but just the team itself was doing a lot of business. Uh, And in that they were sometimes too busy to always show me step by step, but they would outline for me, here's our end goal. And they gave me the flexibility to say, well, here, here's the end goal. These are the systems we have right now. Can you figure out how to get it, make it better? Uh, And so, you know, I did that for a year. Uh, then I got my license, started working with them, uh, you know, as an agent, but that's 2008, 2009.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good, good, good time to be learning the ropes too, you know, ultimately. So, so, so
1: fortunately, yeah. I did not have any bad habits to unlearn. Right. And, and, you know, 2008, 2009, I was able to learn while I was on salary. Right. So so I'm getting this information and this knowledge while I'm not you know, having to make bad decisions based on a financial need. And, and, and so one of the biggest lessons that I learned in the 2008, 2009, when I'm still assistant, right, I'm still behind the scenes with um, the IRT group, was that our systems and our communication removed or eliminated a lot of problems that could have been. Because at that point, we had everyone purchase in 2007. 2008 and nine, they're holding onto properties that they wanted to sell, and now they're losing money. And, and so you know immediately, these are people who trusted us as a team to purchase. And now they're looking at 50% of their value and they're wanting to sell. And we're having to tell them, you know what, it's time for your property to get a haircut. We've got to take this price down. We've got to reposition readjust. But what I learned was that communication on the forefront, on the front end before there's an issue and those tough conversations that helped us tremendously because for a year and a half, we did not sell. I don't think we sold two or three properties right, from from those that purchased. But we did not lose a single listing, right? Yeah. So, so sometimes being great is just holding par and, and not falling back. And so that's one of the things I learned early on. Have the tough conversations. Make sure you communicate, be honest, tell people what's really happening uh, because they stayed with us. They did not like their weekly reports that the sellers were getting, but they did like the understanding and knowledge that they were going to get those reports every week. And every week it might say, Zero showings, two online impressions, you know. But I'm on the phone. I'm having conversations with Roman and Brad. i sitting down with them, having face to faces, and that's where I really learned the value of communication in, in in times of what I would call a crisis,
0: which we find ourselves in right now, dude. In, in, in a different way, but but really, that that skill is absolutely transferring to what you're doing with your bro, your own brokerage here, right? right. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So with IRT, you, you kind of keep moving up the chain. You keep, now you're, you start selling, right? Become a full-time agent, yes. right? And yes. then somewhere, somewhere along the line, uh, Neil says, I'm ready to do this on my own. So how does that part go? Cause I always think that's tough, right? Cause you, you probably had to make a break from your mentor. Is that part of the, part of the story?
1: Well, it, that is a big part of the story, but the great thing about great people is they all, if they, if they're really great, And if they love and care about you, they want what's best for you, even if it's not best, what's best for the company or for them. And so that was one of the things that I was blessed to have. I know a lot of people don't have that. And when, so Roman, I had the conversation with him and I said, Roman, I think it's time for me to move on. And he says, well, what took you so long, right? So it's one of those feelings, right? And and so I've gone through and I've learned and I've become a student and he has been one of those people where it's always as much as he knows, he's always giving to me. He says, hey, here's a person that you need to connect with that knows more than me or something in a different area than I do. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. it was tough. But, you know, I was with him for eight and a half years. Right. So eight, eight and a half years behind the scenes where a handful of people knew who I was and that I was the CFO of the company and doing all these really great things for him. But when it was time for me to move on and for me to make uh, a a decision to to switch gears, it was, okay, Neil, great job. Thank you so much. Go forth and
0: prosper. So let's talk about your company. First (laughs) of all, I love the name. I want to know, there's got to be a story there. So let's get the story first.
1: All right, so the story is I had to make a tough decision, right? I had to say, well, did I want to be Oates and Associates? Because I think everyone wants a piece of them to live on. And we're real estate agents. So there's a bit of ego in all of us, right? Mm-hmm. But just as with the football and the education, I like to think about my end at the beginning, right? And you know, I've always had this big mind and I've always had these big aspirations. So I was thinking on a global scale. I've seen, you know, Roman and Brad and all these top producing agents that I just envy and that I look up to. They were doing mega numbers, but their business was focused on people outside of their local region. You know, and so I was looking and I said, man, oats, while it means something to me and it might mean something in Florida or maybe here in Miami, I don't think oats means anything across the globe. And so I said, well, what do I want to be? And I said, well, I want to be the best, right? And I know there are going to be people that say, well, that's egotistical. Well, I believe there has to be a little bit of bravado for someone to try something new and to be daring and bold, right? Mm -hmm. So I said, well, what is the best? You know, I'm thinking pinnacle. I'm thinking, you know, Genesis for a new beginning. And then, man, I I came up and I said, I want to be world renowned. And then it hit me. When it, it, it hit me, I say world-renowned real estate, right? To be so good at what you do that you're known around the world for it. Uh, and, and so that's where world-renowned come from. And that's where everything that I've done since then, uh, the hashtag be world-renowned, because it's not just about real estate. That's what blossomed out of world-renowned real estate.
0: Talk about your branding. Talk about, you know, you have a very specific look and feel. Um, and I think, that's, I think it's awesome. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind when I see your logo, who, whose company I'm looking at.
1: I've always been intentional. I've never wanted to be one thing uh, as far as a product or a brand, right? Uh, Talk about in service realm. I've always wanted to be a picture or a symbol of something bigger than myself. Uh, And and that's why, you know, on the real estate with World Renown Real Estate, why we have the globe with the movement in there. But then I started realizing early on that, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And I started seeing that there were people in my life that I looked up to like Roman Pavlik, like Chris Saunders uh, from Las Vegas, who really helped show me the ropes, Brad Arnold, down here in Miami. And they were something, in my eyes, bigger than real estate. And so I said, well, if that's what they were to me, what am I to someone else? A minority in South Florida who only speaks one language, but being really, really successful. And so then, you know, I love the idea of being world renowned and I have four pillars of success that I'll share with you a little bit later if you ask or if we have time. Uh, But one of those is excellent. My idea, my personal logo is of a bow tie and a beard. And the bow tie and, and the slogan, my personal slogan is real sophisticated. So the beard talked about real. I'm authentic. I'm someone that if you see at a conference or if you see me at a gas station, you're going to get the same person. Right, but then the sophisticated is the bow tie. So that's why we have bow tie and beard, real sophisticated, because I believe that in everything that I do, I want to bring a level and an air of sophistication to it. Even if I'm at the basketball court with, you know, five and six year olds, I want them to think on a higher level so we can be real. But I also want them to say, you know what, I can be more than what I am right now. And that's where that sophistication comes in. So everywhere I go, I'm always trying to wear a bow tie, uh, you know. And I do want to make a disclaimer. I truly hope I don't offend anyone, but if I do, uh, it might be too bad. Uh, I only wear hand tied bow ties, right? So they're the real deal. No clip-ons. No, you know, hooping, hooping, and, and hook, uh, because my dad told me at an early age. he a son. Uh, I want you to know that pre-tied bow ties and Velcro shoes are for babies and old people, right? So I don't know. And so maybe one day I will be wearing the pre-tied bow ties. But Bill, at this moment, I'm still tying my bow ties uh, and adding that air sophistication so I can be real sophisticated.
0: I love it. I love it. Let's continue with the pillars. Okay, so this, these
1: are now my four pillars. I don't believe that there's a difference in business and professional, Neil, and personal, Neil. That's just my personal belief. That's, that's my personal philosophy. So what I have are four pillars of success in life. The, the first one is excellence. Everything we do is done with a spirit of excellence. If we don't give 100% to it, we don't do it. The second one is service, right? Uh, and in real estate, we talk, everyone talks about service over sales. But is that, do you really believe it? And I think that's where we're really finding out if people value service over sales in this season that we're in right now. So after excellence and service, then we have leadership. Firm believer that everything rises and falls on leadership. At the end of the day, if you're not a leader, if you're not being an intentional leader, you're being an unintentional follower. And then the last one is growth. Uh, So Personal development, whether it's financial literacy or just self development, whatever it is. I don't believe there's anything as far as holding par when it comes to growth and development. I either believe that you're getting better or you're falling behind. So, the four pillars of success excellent service, leadership, and growth. And that's both personal and professional.
0: That's obviously something very important to you when you're trying to, as you were building your team, as (laughs) you're bringing agents onto your brokerage. So let's talk about that process. What does it look like when you're having to sit down with somebody for the first time? Is it uh, nice and friendly, Neil? Is it, this is all business, Neil? What's it look like?
1: So I, I'm a believer that business is personal, right? So okay. if, if someone comes to me and say, well, it's not personal, it's business, I disagree. If I do my business the right way, then there is going to be a personal connection there. So many times, even before I'm sitting down with a prospective agent, it is going back and, and me doing my research. I mean, you're, you're a guy of research. You go through and you find out. If I have your name and I have some general idea of what you've done, I'm looking into you. So when I'm looking for agents, I'm, I'm not looking for any sales skills first. Everything for me, now I'm a man of faith. So everything for me goes back to character and integrity. If you have integrity and if you want to do the right thing when no one is looking, then my job is easy. Teaching train, uh, scale, uh, sales skills and training and going through different scripts and dialogues and showing you where to prospect and, you know, how to hold an open house. I think that's the easy part. You know, it's those things that are on the inside that I can't teach. And so, I mean, now when I started, I do want to admit that years ago when Roman and Brad put me over the recruitment, I was just looking for top producers. I didn't care how they got their leads, how they got their business. But then there was a change because I would see the turnover and I would see the impact that their techniques and maybe their immoral actions had on the reputation of not me and the business, but on Roman and Brad. And, and so that's, that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned is that I have to have good people. And if I have good people, the results will take care of themselves because they're going to be willing. They're going to embrace those four pillars of success, even if they don't know the four words exactly. Their lives are showing that. So for me, it always starts with the person, the character, the integrity. And then we go and we start having conversations about the real estate, the sales, the history that they've done, or their ambitions as an agent.
0: You, you've talked a lot about personal development. You're, you know, obviously you're going to help your team develop as well, but you yourself, you, you're very active, you know, in the, uh, the local and the, the state level, um, you know, associations you've, you educate yourself. You have some of the important designations, especially the international stuff for world renown. Um, talk about that and how, why that's so important for you and, and what you've gained from being involved, say at the Florida state level.
1: Well, Bill, first of all, I get to meet people like you, right? And and I don't say that sheepishly. I, I'm i always want to put myself, there's always a desire for me to put myself in rooms that I have no business being in. And I found that the way you do that is by you being willing to give, right? Had Roman, Brad had other agents and just other people in life not giving me an opportunity, then I wouldn't be here. I mean, I have a great opportunity in life because someone said, let me give back even though he doesn't deserve. I know the difference that it makes when someone gives you an opportunity, right? Even when you don't think you deserve it. And so for me, when I go in and I get educated, I get some information that I think others can benefit from, I feel like I have a duty. I feel like I have a responsibility to share that because I know that if this this real estate industry has given me and my family a lifestyle that I don't believe we would have if it weren't for this. And for us to be in an industry, when I see so many people struggling, right, good people struggling because they don't know or no one has taken the time or if they have taken the time, maybe they didn't deliver it or package it in a way where the recipient could actually digest that information. If there's anything that I can do to help them, uh, I feel like I owe it to them and I owe it to myself. And it feels good. Right, I mean, I might just I might just be you know doing it for myself for self fulfilling pleasure, but it feels good to give back to people. When I see someone uh, come back to me after a year and they say, Neil, oh my God, you won't believe what happened, how my life changed. It makes you feel good to know that what you're doing impacted someone's life positively.
0: I, I can't wait to hear your answer to this because I love your energy. I know the the listeners can't see this, but I'm watching you as we have this conversation, and you light up when you talk about this stuff. This is, there's no, this is not fake. <laughs> this is all very real. And I, it's so cool. So my, my, my question is the same one I've asked every guest. And that is if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent, just starting, what would it be?
1: Oh, one piece. You, you're asking a guy who likes to talk to talk less.
0: I'll so, give you two. I'll give you two. Yeah, okay. go ahead.
1: So if I can have two, the, the first one that I'm going to uh, offer Everyone is prepared for the long haul, right? So if you are committed to this, if you are willing to go long-term, think 7, 10, 14 years down the line, I think that will give you some ease, that sort of ease the pressure off of your day-to-day, right? I think that a lot of times new agents are focused on, well, I have to make a buck today, I've got to close a deal today, uh, and that forces us to make bad decisions, So I think that would be my first one, Uh, getting in, diving, be willing to commit long term because then you remove that torment of choice saying, is this for me? Can I do it? And Bill, the second one that I would uh, just offer up to someone new is find someone who's doing what you want to do and latch on to them. I mean, because the great ones, the really good people, they want to see others grow. They understand that there is an abundance for everyone. Uh, so I would say find someone that's willing to, to share, uh, willing to pour out, and then you latch on to them. And when you do, do everything they suggest you do the way they do it and say thank you. Take them out to eat lunch, buy them coffees, you know, be their do-boy or do-girl. Just, just let them know that, that you appreciate them and do what they say, how they say do it. Uh, and then when you have successes, make sure you show gratitude.
0: Neil, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? The best way is
1: going to be on social media. I, the easiest way is going to be really on Instagram uh, and, and on Instagram. Now, Bill Humble. I'm a humble guy. I know you might not be able to tell by my social tag and handle on Instagram, but it's Mr. World Renowned. right? So on Instagram, Mr. World Renowned is the easiest way and the fastest because, of course, with the speed of communication on IG, uh, that's the fastest way. Or Neil Oates at Gmail, uh, if it's an email. So that's N-E-A-L-O-A-T-E-S. At Gmail, I always make sure that people know that my name is but N E A L. That's the proper way,
0: right? <laughs> so there's you've had a conversation with other Neils, I can tell um, Neil, this has been great. I, I can't thank you enough for your time and and your energy and your passion uh, is just so much fun to be around. So every time I've seen you at any event, you know I know I'm going to have a great time. And I look forward to seeing you at the next thing. Hopefully, fingers crossed, maybe we still get a chance to meet up this summer at the Florida State Convention. We'll see where that goes.
1: I look forward to it. And Bill, thank you so much. And I just want to say thank you for this platform. I am a fan, a listener, a subscriber. And and the reason that's such a big deal is because you have some of the best in the industry across any platform or any level. You bring in relevant, accurate information and it's out there. And so, I mean, I am honored to be a part of this because I know who I'm in the company with. So, so thank you, sir.
0: Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast. To leave a review or rating, go to ratethispodcast.com slash sessions. You can also subscribe to the podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. Finally, you can go to the com and subscribe to our email newsletter and be notified whenever a new episode is released.